Welcome back to Unedited. So the past week I've been kind of uh, re-watching things rather than new, new movies or things I haven't seen before. I, I kind of um, dived back into some things I've been wanting to rewatch. So I've rewatched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, uh, which is probably my favorite Spider-Man of all the incarnations of Spider-Man to be released in, at the cinema. Uh, Tobey Maguire, I think, is probably my favorite Spider-Man incarnation, although I like, I like Tom Holland as well. He's excellent. Um, but I think the total package of the Sam Raimi movies is what I uh, really love. Um, back before he did those movies, he was known for the Evil Dead franchise. And after that, he also made Darkman, which was his own superhero movie idea. He, he originally wanted to make a movie version of The Shadow. The Shadow was kind of a pulp superhero or hero from the 1930s. He was kind of a, a radio show maybe some comics. Uh, I think maybe there were some novel novels. Uh, he wanted to make those movies, but he couldn't get the rights, so I think he made Darkman. Uh, when, you, when you think about the Evil Dead movies and Darkman, I think Sam Raimi wouldn't be your first choice to make a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, but what he actually does with the franchise is excellent. I think how he adds his own uh, ideas really helps flesh out the Spider-Man character and all these kind of superhero abilities, like his uh, spider sense and how he develops his superpowers. Uh, I, originally, I read that uh, before making this Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, the plan was that James Cameron was going to make his Spider-Man movie and it was going to be like an R-rated Spider-Man movie. So it was going to feature Leonardo DiCaprio as Spider-Man and I think Arnold Schwarzenegger as Dr. Octopus. I think they wanted Jack Nicholson as the Green Goblin, um, but it didn't happen. But I think the, the bones of his idea or his story kind of went into Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. I think he want, uh, James Cameron wanted more of a teenage angst-focused Spider-Man, which is kind of what we, we got with the first Spider-Man movie, I think. Peter Parker going through his experience becoming Spider-Man is like uh, a metaphor for being a teenager and going through changes and everything like that. Uh, well, definitely the first two Spider-Man movies are excellent. Third one is a bit all over the place, to put it politely. Uh, I think there's too many characters in the third Spider-Man movie. Especially where two finished, 
with Harry finding out that his father was the Green Goblin. Uh, I think there was a lot of potential there. And then number third movie seems to kind of backstep on that. We had the build up uh, in one and two of Harry Osborne wanting to find out who killed his father, uh, the identity of Spider-Man, I mean, and he wanting to get his revenge. And then the third movie is kind of, we expect to deliver on that. But we get about 10, 20 minutes of that, and then the story is kind of reset by Harry Osborne losing his memory. And he loses his memory by basically hitting his head. And then for a large portion of the movie, he's, he's kind of out of the picture. So I kind of felt cheated on that story because then they introduce the Sandman and we also have Venom. And then we go back to Peter Parker and Mary Jane their their own personal lives and things aren't going further well for their relationship and there's just so much going on in the movie that it never really has time to focus on one storyline you have Sandman's storyline you have Harry Osborn losing his memory Harry Osborn Peter Parker relationship Peter Parker and Mary Jane relationship and Peter Parker wanting revenge on Sandman and the Venom symbiotes taking over his mind and it's just too much going on. Uh, I think definitely the mistake was to add Sandman to the movie. I think it's it's one character too many and I definitely think Sandman is the character that's the the extra in this movie. It's not to say that Sandman is a bad character. I thought he was really well done, and he has an interesting story, and I think they did pretty well to tie it into the other movies, but it, it's just a story that doesn't need to be told when you're at the end of a trilogy and you're kind of trying to tie up the story from the previous two movies and kind of give a satisfaction factory conclusion I think uh, what they could have done is stick with the Green, Green Goblin storyline and I think make it more of a revenge movie possibly we can stick with this symbiote movie as well because I think yeah, definitely everyone wants it to see Venom uh, maybe we could have done it like after Peter Parker gets rid of his Venom symbiote, the Venom symbiote could have taken over, say, Harry Osborn instead. And then, because Harry Osborn wants revenge, then he has all the powers of Spider-Man, and he can use all the information and knowledge of Venom against Spider-Man as well. I think that could have been a very interesting story if they had done it something like that I know maybe people wanted more wanted like a more straightforward Venom story um, but 
again with Eddie Brock. They didn't introduce the character until the third movie. I think if they had kind of introduced him a little bit earlier, maybe in the second movie, given him a little bit more history with Peter Parker. But I think by the, just introducing him in the third movie, it's a bit too late to start developing the character. And what they should have done is just continue to develop the Harry Osborne Green Goblin character. Anyway, well, that's my opinion on those movies. But um, yeah, overall, they're pretty fun to watch still. Um, when I rewatched the third movie, I watched the editor's edition. So some scenes are a little bit moved around or extended. Generally, it's pretty much the same as the original release. There's not much difference if you're looking to watch a different version of Spider-Man 3. I think it's still not the movie that everyone wants it to be. Uh, definitely, I thought Venom should be a bigger part of the movie. If anyone wants to see the, the Venom story done very well, you should check out the 1990s animated Spider-Man movie. No, sorry, not movie. Yeah, a 1990s animated Spider-Man TV series. Um, they did this like a three-episode arc introducing the Venom character with Eddie Brock as Venom. Um, but they introduced Eddie Brock a little bit earlier in the animated series. So he has a little bit of a established character, which I think even the comics don't really do that. I think in the comics, Venom just kind of shows up and then his backstory is kind of told later, just kind of in passing. But um, in the animated series, you kind of see a little bit more of a build-up and a reason for why Eddie Brock hates Spider-Man and Peter Parker so much. Uh, yeah, also I watched, I rewatched the Venom movie. Um, that's the one with, with Tom Hardy. Again, I, I'm not crazy about that movie. I guess I wanted it to be a little bit more darker movie. It's kind of leaning more into comedy. It, it's an okay movie to introduce the character, but um, again, it's, it's not the Venom that I want. Um, for me, the, the core of Venom is Spider-Man. I, I think you have to have Spider-Man is part of his story, and I think that the relationship, the conflict between the two characters is, is what makes Venom an interesting character, and what makes him such a threat to Spider-Man. But uh, hopefully we get to see something like that in future. In terms of TV, I've been watching, or re-watching Caprica. Caprica is the prequel series to Battlestar Galactica. At first I was thinking to rewatch Battlestar Galactica, but I thought I would do it in chronological order. So I'll start with Caprica, then Blood and Chrome, then the miniseries, then Battlestar Galactica series, the, the new one. Well, I say new, it's, it's over 10 years old by this stage, and so is Caprica. Caprica is 
interesting series. When it was first announced, it was advertised as a sci-fi family drama, which I think is not completely appealing to everyone. I think when people heard of a prequel series to Battlestar Galactica, maybe they were hoping for a prequel show involving the first Cylon War, but Caprica takes place too far before that happens. It's about 58 years before the Battlestar Galactica miniseries, and I guess another 20, 25 years before the first Cylon War. So it's basically about the development of Cylons and the first Cylon. It's quite a haunting series, if I can use that word, the music and the story and it's about a family's loss, it's about identity. I think there's some themes that you can definitely see in more modern TV shows like Westworld. Um, well, I think that the same with Battlestar Galactica. I think a lot of themes that it was dealing with is something that has continued to be popular in some TV shows today. As I rewatch the Caprica series, um, I think my opinion about it now is still the same as it was 10 years ago. You can kind of notice there's some retooling in the series as, as it goes along. And usually if there's some problem with a TV show, maybe okay, either it's cancelled or it's retooled and there's some changes made in the second season. But here, I kind of felt like maybe in production there were some issues or some changes made, um, especially with the character of Adama, the, the father of Bill Adama in Battlestar Galactica. So here he's a lawyer. In the pilot episode, he we see he has some connections to a, a mob or mafia, but he doesn't want anything to do with that group but by episode 3 it's like he's almost an important figure in it he is having pe people beaten up he's threatening people <clears throat> at the end of episode 3 he's uh, asking someone to kill another person's wife and it just seemed like a, a shocking change in the character character like even in the previous two episodes he like I said he didn't want to have anything to do with the mob he wanted to be further away from them he was a different person he wanted to be more upright person and you feel the character has stronger morals but by episode 3 it's kind of all that's gone out of the window so I didn't really like how they took a big turn on the character like that. It just felt strange. Um, in the space of one or two episodes, he, he changed like that. It was a bit weird. So that's what I'm rewatching at the moment. 
Uh, I'm also rewatching some classic Doctor Who episodes. I rewatched the Tent Planet, which was a first Doctor episode. So that was his actual William Hartnell's final episodes was the Tent Planet. So this was when the first Doctor regenerated into the second Doctor. It's a it's a pretty good episode. It's only uh, four episodes. And they're about. 25 minutes each it's the introduction of the cyberman for the first time too which is pretty interesting the last episode is actually missing so there are actually about 97 missing doctor who episodes but fortunately they were able to animate this last episode so it's a it's a good way to be able to feel like some completion feeling like that you've actually watched the real story it, it's pretty good job because they use the audio from the TV series which was saved and they animate based on that and then maybe based on some production stills the only problem with uh, animation that I watched is when William Hartnell, the first doctor, went to regenerate, uh, it stayed in the animation. Uh, there's actually a live action clip of his regeneration, but in the animated version they don't they don't cut to the live action. I don't know why I was expecting them to, to do that. Uh, yeah. So probably if you watch it on DVD, you have the choice to watch the animated version or you can watch clip of the live action regenerated version. So um, yeah, hopefully I can watch more classic Doctor Who episodes because there's probably a few hundred episodes of Doctor Who I haven't seen. So um, yeah, I have to watch them sometime. So speaking of sci-fi, if you're looking to binge watch something and you want something to binge watch long term, I guess you can't really go wrong with science fiction shows uh, because there's just so many episodes to get through. Uh, Star Trek has hundreds of episodes, Doctor Who, Stargate, Battlestar Galactica, Babylon 5. Uh, all these series have a lot of episodes, uh, movies, uh, in Doctor Who's case there's the audio adventures and novels which are kind of considered, can we say canon and part of the series, so I think you're definitely not going to have anything not to watch if you choose to start binge watching one of those series I, I don't think you're going to get through it in the time that you have you can try but uh, maybe just choose one and, and focus on that okay, one more sci-fi I would like to recommend is a Japanese animation called Legend of Galactic Heroes it was a series of novels to begin with um, 
10 of the novels have been translated into English. In total, I think there are about 12 novels. And for the series, there's 110 episodes, main story. And then there's about 50 to 60 side episodes. If you like real sci-fi or kind of hard sci-fi, I think you'll enjoy the series. So uh, it, even though it's a Japanese animated series, it's not like Mobile Suit Gundam or Space Battleship Yamato. It's a, it's a bit more serious and grounded than those series. I think there's no real sci-fi concepts. There's no aliens. There's no uh, robots. It's more of a human story. So if you like something that's serious, like Battlestar Galactica, you'll like this. If you love epic stories like Babylon 5, or very large, wide-ranging epic story like Lord of the Rings, I'll think you would enjoy this series as well because it's just so complex uh, and rich and interesting characters. So definitely you should check that out. Uh, I strongly recommend it. If you love epic sci-fi, I think it's, it's the most epic sci-fi story you can watch. Yeah, if you want to read the novels, the novels are written by Yoshiki Tanaka. So like I said, I think about 10 of the novels have been released in English. Uh, there's also two different versions of the manga. I think that the newer version has been translated into English. But uh, of course the art style is different and it's, it's retelling the story, but of course it's retold a little bit differently. So if you're interested, you can check those out also. In terms of uh, what I've been watching, that's new um, because I've been rewatching so many things. The only new thing I rewatched uh, that I watched was Happy Dead Day. It's a horror movie. It's kind of a Groundhog Day type of horror movie uh, in which a girl is killed over and over and over again until she can stop solve her murder. It's an okay movie. Uh, you don't have to think too much about it. Very simple story, easy to follow. Nothing too original. I think the concept of a time loop has been done a lot better in other movies like TV shows, but you know, it's it's an hour and a half to pass. And if you like that type of story, sure. Yeah, it's okay. So the movie I recommended last week was called Redless. So it was a 1983 American movie starring Richard Gere, which was a remake of the 1960 French film by Jean-Luc Godard. Um, I don't think there's many similarities between the movies. In terms of story, yes, but in direction or style or acting, it, it's completely different. I think 
Richard Gere gives a very good performance in this movie. It's a, a very different Richard Gere to the one that we know from An Officer and Gentleman or Pretty Woman. Um, it's a very crazy Richard Gere. It's very Richard Gere let loose. And I think he matches the, the character so perfectly in his performance. Um, the visuals is very beautiful because it's kind of a neo-noir type of movie and also the soundtrack um, it's not a complete soundtrack but I think the main theme by Philip Glass is very beautiful and it matches the movie so perfectly it's probably one of the things that that stays with you after the movie uh, I love Philip Glass I think his his music is perfect in everything it really makes the movie so I hope you enjoyed that movie if you watched it or if you haven't seen it uh, yeah check it out sometime so this time I'd like to recommend two movies which are basically the same movie and the first one is a French movie called The Wages of Fear 1953 and then the remake is called Sorcerer so if you have time why don't you check out both of those movies um, think about which one you like more and why and uh, next time we'll talk a little bit more about those movies how I discovered them and a little bit of the story behind those movies and which one I like better and why so I'm looking forward to talking about it next time. Have a good day. Take care.